0: So there are all sorts of reasons, small and large, to be happy. So all you have to do is dwell on them for a moment, a nanosecond. It doesn't take that much. But the ramifications in your marriage is what we are looking at. The ramifications are that that happiness spreads just like your doom and gloom might spread. Your happiness spreads. And I have a little mantra that I use to remind myself, which is happy breeds happy.
1: This week, Dr. Noel Nelson joins us to share some off-the-beaten-path tips to improve your marriage. These aren't the basic stuff that you hear like, you know, respect your spouse. So stay tuned. We have some really cool things for you. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. Welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined by the lovely, the brilliant Dr. Noelle Nelson. Hi, Noelle. Hi, Steve. Uh, Noelle is a clinical psychologist, a consultant, a popular speaker in the U S and abroad when we're allowed to travel. And, uh, you can find uh, more information about Noelle at her website, noellenelson.com. Um, we are going to talk today, Noel, about four easy ways to increase your marital happiness. And these are going to be things that you may not have already thought of. I mean, otherwise, <laughs> why do the podcast? Right. So um, these are a little off the beaten path, uh, yet can contribute significantly to an already uh, good marriage. So... What What is your first bit of advice for us?
0: Well, first I want to point out that the the usual ways that we approach happiness in marriage are w- what we think of as the basics, and which Hitched is is brilliant at um, underscoring, emphasizing, showing new ways of doing, like good communication, uh, respect, mutual respect, um, respecting each other's privacy, all sorts of good stuff like that. But these are a little bit different. And that's why we're talking about them, as you said. And the first one is actually called find your happy.
1: Mm, okay. What, what is the find your happy? What does that mean? What, how do we do it?
0: Right. Well, what it means is, you know, being in a marriage isn't what makes you happy. You make your marriage happy. I know that sounds weird because certainly being in a bad marriage is going to make everybody unhappy, but the (laughs) bottom line is that you need to take responsibility first and foremost for being happy, your happiness. In other words, okay, you found the the right mate for you. That's terrific, but that isn't going to assure a happy marriage. You need to take charge. So how we do it is you do something every day that makes you happy. And your relationship will benefit enormously because, frankly, you cannot, you just can't be happy in your marriage if you are not happy with yourself. It doesn't work. Mm. Being a grouch, just think about it. If you're a grouch and you're complaining and you're moaning and groaning about whatever all day long, how do you think that impacts your spouse? Mm -hmm. No matter how positive and optimistic and upbeat they may be on their own, it's a doggy downer. I mean, it, it it just does not contribute to the overall happiness in the marriage. So you have a responsibility to look to your own happiness, and that can be in the simplest of things. Because frankly, Steve, right now with everything that's going on in our world, it can be hard to look out there and go, "And this is supposed to make me happy?" Mm-hmm. No, that's not. That's really not the approach. Mm-hmm. But it's things like your morning brew, coffee, tea chocolate, whatever it is, surely that makes you a little bit happy if you allow yourself to mindfully, Mm -hmm. because mindfulness really works, enjoy it. Or to to notice that the sun rose today. I don't know about you. I think that's a miracle. (laughs) Or the the fact that you have a spouse. You know how many people in this particular pandemic would love to have a spouse and can't even get near one? Mm -hmm. So there are all sorts of reasons, small and large, to be happy. So all you have to do is dwell on them for a moment, a nanosecond. It doesn't take that much. But the ramifications in your marriage is what we are looking at. The ramifications are that that happiness spreads just like your doom and gloom might spread. Your happiness spreads. And I have a little mantra that I use to remind myself, which is happy breeds happy.
1: Mm, I like that. Yep. I like any any of those little things that you can kind of plant in your brain to just remind you. Um Exactly. It sounds to me uh based on what you just said that part of finding your happy is really identifying uh or exercising gratitude for everything, like the little small things, the cup of coffee in the morning, the sun being up in the morning.
0: Yes. Yes. And gratitude is well known to be one of the foundational uh, aspects of happiness, joy, optimism, all of Mm. those things. So, yes, gratitude, absolutely. It's also the easiest way in, meaning it's often easier to feel gratitude, to feel thankful for than it is to feel pure love. Mm. It sounds strange, but it's sometimes hard to feel love for a cup of coffee.
1: Right, right. No, that's a perfect, that's a great way really. to put it. Yeah.
0: You know, but you can certainly feel gratitude for it because gratitude is, a. Is, you know what I just love about gratitude, Steve, is that <laughs> it can come in small or large doses. Mm-hmm. In other words, the cup of coffee, and we're just using that as an example, it sure. can be anything, it can be a glass of water, whatever, is a small gratitude. It, it's not life making or, you know, death defying or anything like that. And then there's the big gratitudes like, watching your baby sleep in their crib. Mm-hmm. That's huge, absolutely huge. But there's all levels, if you will, or dosages of gratitude. So that's what makes it such an easy access to happiness.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And it, so this reminded me too of, so as you know, I co-authored a book, Life is Short, Don't Wait to Dance. And Which I love. Thank you. <laughs> Um, and in that book, one of the, the lessons that we talk about is, uh, it's, so it's with a gymnastics coach and she has a gymnast on her team who is down and depressed and kind of mopey. And one day they're uh, leaving practice and the coach just basically has this conversation with her where she tells her to choose happy. Yeah. Like you just have to choose happy. Yeah. and um it was this mental switch and uh fast forward she goes on to become an Olympian um and right. i interviewed her the Olympian and she talks about how that was a turning point for her in her life because she was like oh i can just decide these things and yes. to the point that you were saying and i think we so often get caught up in the execution of something equals um the shift but it really comes from within. So for example, a lot of couples will think having a baby will make them happy. And to the example you used, getting married doesn't make you happy. No, you have to choose that happiness. You have to find your happy to your point. So, um it's just funny how I, one of the things that I love is communicating things that we know are tried and true and continuing to uh, relay it in different, more cre- different, and creative ways that resonate with people, so yes. that um, you know it applies. So that people can like grasp onto it, and it finally like clicks. Yes, so, hopefully I'll that's. I'm you a is. classic
0: example that has nothing to do with people. Okay, which is when you get a new car, even oh. if it's a new used car, just mm-hmm. for you, it's a new car, right? It's all exciting for about ten minutes, and then maybe not 10 minutes, but you know, 10 minutes, <laughs> right, minutes sure. it becomes the car. But if you really want it to find you're happy, what you would do it, first of all, I name my cars, <laughs> which is really kind of weird. I know, but it means that when I approach my car in the morning, I go, hello. And this one happens to be Hortensia. Hello, Hortensia. <laughs> what a good girl you are. In other words, I actually literally spend, eh, you know what, 20 seconds, appreciating, feeling grateful for my car, Mm -hmm. because I would be very unhappy without my car. And it's so that it's not just the fact that it was a a new used car, but you know, a new car for me, but it's the fact that I continue choosing as your gymnastic coach put so aptly, choosing to be happy about my car. When our car is an inanimate object, like who cares? (laughs) A spouse is way more important. But it's the same principle.
1: Yeah. I so um it's, it's it's interesting that you do that. What is it called? Anthropomorphize? Is that is that the yes. right word? Except uh, I don't expect hortensia to
0: require
1: you know the same attention as a human. Right, but, but the yeah. fact that but the fact that you do that with your car by giving it a name, I wonder psychologically if that uh automatically triggers greater gratitude and greater care because you have given it more personality than the inanimate object that it is.
0: Probably, I name some of my plants too.
1: Oh, see, I should do that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the one that I that is it's just grown beyond belief in my kitchen to where I'm thinking, really, I think you're going to be a tree one of these days. Uh, her name is Fergietta. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> so, but it I started just as a fun thing. Yeah, I didn't set out in life going, I will name my cars
1: and my sure. plants. Sure. I just, just did. Well, it's funny. So my younger brother moved uh, a couple years ago and he, uh, while he was moving, he was like, Hey, do you want Bob? And Bob (laughs) was this little tree, like a little house tree that he had. And I was like, sure, I'll take Bob. And so, uh, long story short, I actually do have one plant that's named in my house and his name is Bob. And I'll bet you look at Bob a little differently than you do your other plants. Totally do. Totally do. Although I had to move Bob outside, which he doesn't like as much, (laughs) because our cat that we got right before the quarantine hit uh, likes Bob, and Bob is poisonous to the cat, unfortunately. Ah, no, that's not But Bob is still alive and kicking a couple years down the road, so I do feel proud of that fact.
0: Yes, as well you should. But yeah, (laughs) anything... You know, I mean, to digress for a moment, the way you make an enemy is by depersonalizing the individual. Right. Yeah. So it, we we are doing this in reverse.
1: Hmm. Yes, that's uh, a great point. It's it's funny yeah. because to that point, I have a lot of conversations about politics, and I won't get into politics here. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I hear is people using uh, language to your point that strips them of their humanity. Um yeah. when they disagree with somebody. Yeah. And I always try to rein the conversation back in of saying, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I just want you to recognize that what you're doing is what the Nazis did. So yep. maybe like tone it down a smidge. Like we can yeah. disagree, or you can disagree, or you could think sure. that person's a a-hole or whatever you want, but like right. let's not go down that path. We know where that leads. So yep. Yep. To your, to, I just wanted to like drive home that point because yeah. At all the stuff we're talking about is all within and mental. And, and at the end of the day, words do matter because that changes your mental state of things. Oh, and totally. To the point that you were saying about, it's really tough when you're like down and angry and, and complaining about everything. And then all of a sudden to be like, Oh, by the way, hello, how, how how are you doing? And being happy about everything. It's right. really difficult to make those switches. It is. It's much
0: better to try to keep yourself on some kind of even keel. We all are going to have ups and downs. That's not yeah. the point. But back to the idea of gratitude, simple, small. Mm-hmm. Gratitudes are a great way of keeping yourself somewhere within the realm of happy
1: mm-hmm. and the the last thing, and then we'll move on uh, about gratitude. The thing that I love about it is it's it's simple. It's quick, it's free. Uh, and you can find it anytime, anyplace, anywhere. And to your point, you can, it can be the big things like watching a sleeping baby, or it could be the small things of like, you get up in the morning and you put two feet on the ground you're like, damn, I got two legs and I can walk around. I know not everybody has that. Correct. And when you start doing that throughout the day, it becomes amazing at how small some of the other problems become in your life. Not that they go away, but they seem less dramatic i guess
0: right right well because you've you've created a cushion for yourself um between the ucky things and your true nature mm-hmm. you've created a cushion and it's called gratitude yeah yeah um which brings me frankly to the to another cushion if you will yes please uh, of self care
1: mhm okay so then self care how does that work and i i'm i know that we're not talking about um taking a daily shower. So what what are we talking about when we're talking about self-care?
0: Although taking a daily shower is probably nice for your spouse, <laughs> yes.
1: uh, but
0: that's beside the point. Okay. So what people don't realize is when you don't make your own self-care a priority, okay? When you know darn well you should be exercising because Hey, in this pandemic we're all sitting around way too much or you should be watching your diet because frankly surviving on pizza may be fun when you're 19, but it doesn't tend to work so well when you're 49, etc. You don't realize that you're actually shoving the burden of self-care onto your spouse. Mm. And men and women do this in different ways. Generally speaking, and of course generalities always have exceptions, we know sure. this. But generally speaking, men are more apt to not schedule regular appointments with their physician, not pay attention to their blood sh- blood pressure, excuse me, going up or down or whatever it is doing. And then what happens is the spouse notices, honey, you're not looking so good. Honey, you're breathing funny. Honey, you're not, whatever it is. And the spouse then takes it upon herself, and I literally mean herself, to make the schedule get her mate, to the appointment, usually, often, sit in the appointment, make sure that the meds are, are ordered, et cetera, et cetera. Now, you know what? That's not fair. Mm-hmm. That's not fair. As, a, as the, the, again, we're taking the, the prototypical male, you have a responsibility for your own health, so take it. Because yeah. otherwise, you're making your spouse do it. Women, what we tend to do, again, generally, is we don't rest. So it's called take your rest and relaxation in hand. Mm -hmm. Don't wait till your spouse says, oh, honey, you look like a bedraggled rat. Don't you (laughs) think you should take a nap or something? No, no, I can do it. It's fine. I mean, women are famous multitaskers. Okay, fine. But we will drive ourselves way beyond the limit. And it's not necessarily with anything productive. I mean, sometimes it's just re-cleaning the bathroom for the 20th time because you can't think of anything else to do, and you're nervous or anxious or Uh whatever. But again, when we do this, on whom are we throwing the burden of Mm self-care? On our spouse. And in your particular marriage, I don't mean you specifically, um, Steve, but any of our listeners, the roles may be reversed. That's truly not the point. The point is, if you don't attend to your own health and well-being, then you are forcing your spouse to do it. Because if they love you, and we are assuming we're talking to marriages that are in a relatively good condition, if they love you, they are going to do that.
1: Yeah. So um, to drive home the point that you're making, particularly about the generalizations, by the way, yeah. so we do know that men, married men live longer than single men. Yes. And one of the reasons that the researchers believe that to be the case is because their wives uh, or partners um, nag them. And I say yes. nag them as a term of endearment to yes. go to the doctors and to be healthy because yes. they don't do it, um, as frequently when they're single. And that is one of the, yeah. like, they remind them to take their medications. They ch- make the appointments yeah. that you, uh, so, uh, accurately described. And so I, by the way, I don't know if I've ever told you, I have a theory as to why women do this versus men in terms of the doctor's appointments. Do tell. My theory is men are pretty, um, self, uh, low, ma- I'll just say they're low maintenance in uh, personal health at a younger age than oh. women are. Women have, uh, their periods, they have gynecological exams. Men don't need any of that stuff, um, growing up. And therefore they don't need to go to the doctor and have those visits as much. And they don't have that comfort level of like having to know and understand their body the same way women do. Mm -hmm. And so as they age, it's just like, it's never been a thing. And then when you get into your twenties, thirties, forties, uh, where you start breaking down a little bit, it's. Seems you haven't built up that habit, whereas women have had to do that basically from their teenage years and on, preteen and on. So that's my theory. I don't know if it's that's
0: actually a very good point. Also, what's interesting is that as women, because again of the nature of our monthly cycle, we are used to going to the doctor when nothing's wrong. Mm. Oh, that's a good one too. I've been going to my 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 GP now for probably thirty years. And I had a GP before that, but every single year, and I call her my wellness doctor mm-hmm. because 99.9% of the time I am ridiculously outstandingly and very gratefully healthy, Yeah, but I, I can't see certain parts of me Sure. <laughs> that she can. And so, you know, she checks me out and, and, she listens to my lungs, my heart and all that stuff, passes me on the head and sends me out for another year. <laughs> but I, You're right. So I think that men, because of what you just said, and their lack of that kind of wellness history with a physician, only will go to the doctor if something's wrong.
1: Right. And you think about it when you're a kid, like I know me, I'm as guilty as this as anybody. And, uh, you know, I went to the doctor when something was broken or hurt or, yeah, to your point, something was wrong. I didn't go because I needed a checkup unless the sport I was participating in required me to have a physical and checkup. That was it. Like, right. So,
0: yeah. So we're, we're, we're raised, if you will, conditioned would be a better word. Yes. Very differently. Again, in generalities, everybody's life is, is different, but this does tend to hold pretty darn true. And to our point today of today's discussion is come on, don't do this to your spouse. You're a big boy or you're a big girl now. Take responsibility. If you're a guy, you know, pay attention. Get yourself to the doctor and look upon it as a normal thing, not an abnormal thing. Mm -hmm. And for ladies, come on. It's okay to take a nap. It's okay to sleep, to rest.
1: (laughs) Can I tell you, so uh, I'll move on after this. One of the things that you told me a long time ago, and I think you mentioned it on a podcast, that has, again, it's always resonated with me is uh, about martyrdom. And martyrs. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, the thing about martyrs is they always wind up on a cross. Yep. And I always think about that when I see or hear people uh, wearing themselves down to a nub. And I'm just like, yeah. it's going to catch up. You're going to end up on that cross. Like, that's this is my mental process when I <laughs> see it unfolding yep. in front of my eyes. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: too true. Too true.
1: Um, okay. So then the next one is. Uh, Upping your kindness quotient. And, you know, that sounds intriguing. So how does it play out?
0: Upping your kindness quotient. Did you just drop out, Steve? Because I can't hear you. Oh, yeah.
1: Can you hear me now? Yes. Uh, Yeah. So uh, the next one is upping your kindness quotient. That sounds intriguing. So (laughs) how does that one play out?
0: Well let's think about it. What is being kind?
1: To yourself or to others?
0: To detail. And I don't mean niggy, obsessive, anal tension to detail. I mean, notice what your spouse likes for anything, mm. for their for their for how they get up in the morning, whether they want to be kissed or they want to be left alone, how they, whatever. What is it that they like? And then, Give it to them on purpose not because oh it's our anniversary I should give her some flowers oh it's our anniversary I should get him tickets to this sports event on TV no no that's not the point at all all through your day do something a little special doesn't matter what mm-hmm. it can be a smile when you wouldn't ordinarily smile it can be a text it can be in anything it doesn't matter you happen to be at target you picked up a card mm-hmm. Not because it was their birthday or or anything else, just because, hi, honey, I love you. Mm -hmm. Kindness is about noticing what your spouse likes, not just what you like, what they like, and giving it to them on a regular, frequent basis. And just like we were speaking with gratitude, Steve, Mm -hmm. it could be a little tiny thing like a text or a big fat thing like three dozen roses. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It doesn't matter. That's not the point. Kindness, attention to detail lets your spouse know even bigger than words sometimes that you're paying attention to them. Mm. And what do we all want? We want to be paid attention to. We want to be appreciated, which is how we know we're loved.
1: That, yes, that the the people feeling like they're seen. Um, and mean, you know, we, we've talked about infidelity in the past and like, that's one of like, that's like infidelity 101. Like, I just felt like I, <laughs> my spouse wasn't paying attention to me or giving me what I needed. And this other Correct. person was, and like that, not, it wasn't about love. It wasn't even about the sex. It was just about like, I needed to be seen. And, uh, the, the thing that I love about this one is the fact that it breaks you out, it breaks people out of categorizing what they can do and when they should do it. Um, like to your point, like we think we should get flowers on our anniversary for our partner. Why? Mm -hmm. I mean, yes, that's nice. Get, get your partner (laughs) flowers on the anniversary, but why is that the day? Why can't it be next Tuesday? What, what, what's holding you back? Um, and I, I try to do this a lot myself. Like this is the one that really, honestly, it puts the biggest smile on my spouse's face.
0: Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: when I have like left her a little note or I bring her breakfast or whatever it might be, just a S a small little tiny thing. Mm-hmm. And in reciprocity, she will constantly tell like, oh, you love me so much. And I'm like, yeah, I do. Like, I'm mm-hmm. glad that you recognize that. And mm-hmm. so it's, and and it's so easy. And I love the way that you put it, that it's about the details, paying attention. Yes. And yes, it is. It really is the details. And I think, mm-hmm. Oh, uh, you know, we, we celebrated, um, Thanksgiving recently. And mm-hmm. one of the things that she, like, I am a cook. Like I love, it's, it's like my hobby when I'm not in front of a computer screen. And, mm-hmm. uh, I love making things from scratch, like scratch, like give me some eggs and flour and I will make you some pasta, like scratch. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Jess likes, cranberry sauce out of a can that still has the ridges in it and Mm -hmm. she knows how much i love to cook things from scratch but she Mm -hmm. but i know that she loves that so i get her a can of her own (laughs) jellied cranberry sauce and it like it just she just beams because she it's the detail of me recognizing what she wants and me giving her what she wants yes and it was so small and tiny and stupid and it's uh but it's not it's the world. That's true. Yeah. Thank you. It
0: really is. Because being able to pay attention to that kind of detail and deliver on it means that you're pretty much always tuning in to your spouse. Mm -hmm. And that's the exact opposite of not seeing somebody is tuning in to whatever is important to them. Not that you have to give it to them every minute or anything like that, but it's that when it when it is given every so often, then they recognize, "Oh, he loves me so much." Mm-hmm. You know that. She gives
1: that to you. Yeah, sorry. The the thing about this too that I wanted to add is I can see how people thinking about this. If this is not a common practice now, would think, "Wow, what a burden!" Like this, I can't imagine like spending that much time. The thing about it is, when I'm busy, it makes. By the way, so this makes everything a lot easier. Because when I'm busy, I can tell Jess, hey, like I'm really busy today. I don't have time for any of this stuff. And I realize that that in and of itself is like tuning in and letting her know that I'm recognizing her and like keeping her in the loop. But it also like relieves any stress or tension that I may not be living up to any kind of expectation because she she already knows these things. So – Anyways, it just it's I just I guess what I'm trying to relay is it it's not as hard as some people might think or imagine it to be. So
0: No, it's not. It's a habit. Yes. And it's when you think about it, when you're recording. I love that phrase. When you're recording, you did all this without even giving a second thought. Mm-hmm. So it's really not all that complicated or all that different. But it is a habit, and much like you learn to brush your teeth once or twice a day, It's very easy to learn, to simply pay attention and once or twice a day to deliver a little teeny something or maybe a big something. It doesn't really matter. And when you can't, and you know you can't because you're going to be out of your brains with whatever, is attending to detail is letting them know, I love you, honey, but I won't have a moment for you today. I'm so sorry. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That's letting them know that you know they care about what you do.
1: Yeah. And, the, and then it gets back to the courting side of things and the habit side of things. And I think if you can find just at least one thing that mm-hmm. becomes part of your daily habit. And so I'll just, I'll, just, I'll, I'll tell the listeners. So Jess, she is uh, not a morning person, um, but she loves breakfast. Like that is her thing. Like it, it's her favorite meal of the day is breakfast. Um, whenever we go, uh, anyways, Long story short, I make her breakfast uh every morning and give her breakfast in bed every morning. And it like it's the best thing like ever. She loves it, loves it, loves it. It's it's almost like she feels I mean, she feels special this to start every single day. And yeah. to the point that we were just talking about, some days I'm I'm busy, I'm on a call, I'm on a, doing a podcast, whatever. And it's like, I, I'm sorry, I can't do it this morning. Totally understandable, right? Because that's not right. the norm. The norm is she gets breakfast in bed. And and yeah.
0: what I also like about that particular example, Stephen, I think is important to um, share with our listeners is you're doing something you like to do anyway.
1: Right, that's a good point. Yeah. You
0: like to click anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, one of the things I do, I, I write. That's what I do. Morning, noon, and night, I write. So one of my favorite ways of, of showing that I care about my friends or whoever is to write a little note because that's what I do anyway. I write, but it makes them feel so great. Oh, you thought of me today for no good reason. Thank you. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I I guess that's a great point, like playing to your strength too. So don't try to like do something that you hate. Like if you hate cooking, (laughs) don't force yourself every single morning. Yeah. That's a great point. Thank you. That's that's such a good insight. Yeah. Um, Okay. Was there anything else uh, that um, people can use, tips, tricks to find their marital happiness?
0: Well, this could probably become a full-blown podcast, so I'll just do the short form. Okay. (laughs) But yes, which is to basically encourage and support who your partner wants to be, not who you want them to be. Hmm. And this goes to, for example, your partner wants to kayak, and you think, what a waste of time, energy, and money. Or uh, they want to run a marathon, or they want to join a book club. And because you're a good spouse, you kind of smile, nod, and you tolerate it. But there are few things worse than being tolerated. So don't do that. Don't do that. One of the ways of finding your happy is to be genuine in your support. Now that doesn't mean that you have to suddenly fall in love with kayaking or marathoning or book clubs or whatever it is, but rather that you be happy for their happy. Right. Right. So I'm so glad, honey, that you found something that turns you on. That's fabulous. Yes. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and therefore your contribution, if you will, to the happy is simply encouraging and supporting who they want to be. Right. It's, it's, it's not complicated. It really isn't. Uh,
1: you know, the thing, the added bonus to that is when you encourage your spouse, uh, for them to like embrace their happiness and the things that they like to do, it opens your world because to your point, it, you don't have to like it at all. But the fact that it's, that you don't like it at all means you probably haven't been exposed much to it. And therefore everything they do is a learning opportunity for you to True. grow and expand. And um I'm going to use myself one more time because <laughs> why not? Um Jess loves gymnastics. And when I met her, I had outside of watching it on the Olymp- on the uh during the Olympics every 4 years, I had never seen Olymp- uh, gymnastics in my life. Uh definitely not in person, only on TV. And fast forward, you know, decades later, um I have not only co-authored a book with a gymnastics coach uh but she is now running her own podcast on gymnastics which is the number 1 gymnastics podcast in the world and I'm going to be going to the Olympics in 2021 uh while she covers gymnastics so um and this would never would have happened if I was quote unquote tolerating her passion uh, mm-hmm. Instead, I embraced it. I went to the meets. I met the people. I met the coach. Um, and now I'm technically I'm writing a second book uh, on gymnastics with Simone Biles' coach.
0: So, and let's let's point out because I think it's important for our listeners. But you didn't become a gymnast, did
1: you, Steve? No, n- definitely no. not. <laughs>
0: so- you stayed in the role of encouraging and supporting, which did lead you to some, some fun, uh, new experiences for you, but without ever having to actually become a gymnast. Cause that's not your thing.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, important. I, exactly. I, to again, going back to like playing to your strengths, like I'm a sports fan. I yeah. love competition. I love sports and you know, gymnastics is an incredible sport. And yeah. I found that I like to write, um, you know, I don't need to give the full recap here, but basically I just wanted to be supportive of Jess and um, found the, uh, I I just embraced the opportunity to like expand my own world. And Mm -hmm. in doing so, not only did her uh, world become enriched with um, experiences and opportunities, but so did mine. Yes. And now we when we can travel again, post pandemic, um, we travel the world going to gymnastics meets and then we, you know, extend our trips when we can to do, take little vacations. And this is how we are now going to see the world. And it's, it's amazing. And it's only because I encouraged it. Not, right. not that she couldn't have done it without me and my encouragement, but like it's become a thing for us because right. of that, not because I tolerate it. <laughs> so, right.
0: so happiness breeds, happy breeds, happy.
1: Oh my God. Full circle. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all she wrote. And that's all she (laughs) wrote. We're going to, we can't top that. Happiness breeds (laughs) happy. I love it. Okay, Uh, thank you so much for your time, Noel. This was fantastic. Uh, I we we did a whole bunch of talking here today. Uh, Yes, we did. (laughs) uh, Before you go, I want to remind everyone that they have been listening to Noel Nelson, who is a clinical psychologist, consultant, popular speaker in in the U.S. and abroad, is the author of many, many, many best-selling books. Uh, you are the author of Happy Healthy Dead, Why What You Think You Know About Aging Is Wrong and How to Get It Right. Uh, you are also um, uh, the uh, founder of Meet the Amazings, which is a uh, online group that you can find on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash Amazing's. And uh, you can get all this information at Noelle's website, noellenelson.com. You can also find her on Twitter at Dr. Noelle Nelson. Uh, and of course, you can find all this information on our website, HitchedMag.com. So thank you one last time, Noel. It is always a pleasure. look forward to doing this again very soon.
0: Thank you, Steve.
1: Okay. That's going to do it, everybody. Take care. We're on top of the i